and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, oh, he's done moving. I'm so happy. Good for Yay. you. Yay. Dieter Kurtenbach is back. Hi, Sam. I've missed you dearly. Good friend. Uh, we've, How are I've you, even, like, kinda, I've kind of let you do your own thing while you've been moving because I know that you are an anxiety-riddled human being. So <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? Let's let's just let him and Heather move to their new place in Alameda. Let's just, you know. It's, as, as, Adam Silver, as Adam Silver said, we live in the age of anxiety. And uh, yeah. and you, you not being part of that, which I guess is equally my fault, uh, just, just made it worse. Let's be honest. That's true. Uh, I am pretty great. Uh, but we're back now, baby. We're back. We're back. We are going to talk about the Warriors-Celtics game last night that Dieter was at and that I watched this morning. And oh, boy. Was just, just a narrative game in so oh, many ways. <laughs> a hilarious narrative game. Uh, we're also your weekend narrative. Yeah, we're also going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers because I have not talked about the Lakers since they've gone on this ridiculous skid and since LeBron has looked not LeBron-like, I think is fair to what? put. What? Um, Get out of here. The next thing, we might talk about Houston a little bit. We might talk about Denver a little bit, but we're going to make this like a full NBA podcast. I did a full college basketball podcast on, what was that? I guess Sunday with Rob Doster. We're going to do a full NBA podcast today. Our sponsors today are Hymns and Mint Mobile, I believe. Uh, Bet Online well, and Mint hope Mobile we'll go with. Yeah, Bet Online and Mint Mobile are the uh, sponsors today. Shout out Hymns, though. Go to Hymns. Hims is great. They have um, sponsored before. Yeah, they 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 continue to sponsor. We are uh, we are Hims fans here. I think they have next week. Uh, Dieter, I, I'm just going to give you the floor on yeah. Celtics Warriors because going into this game, the narrative was the Celtics are coming apart at the seams. Our pets' <laughs> heads are falling off. Kyrie Irving <laughs> is the worst human comes out and says that the Celtics have a toxic culture right now and nobody in that locker room seems to be happy. And then they just kick the shit out of the Warriors. So, you know, where are we at? I really don't. I really don't know what this does. Yeah, uh, I, I would. This is going to come across as, as shocking to some who who've listened to this show and know that uh, that I come in pretty hot. But uh, I, I would caution reading too far into this result for either team. I, I don't think that the Celtics issues are particularly fixed uh one game certainly isn't going to fix all that ails that team and i i I would read a little further into the warriors situation but maybe not for the reason that the warriors want you to or not the the book the warriors want you to read because they put out just a world-class half-ass effort against the celtics uh, on tuesday night uh just hilariously apathetic but can, can we talk that, about that? Like, let's yeah, talk let's about that second, I think, because I think the Celtics are a bigger story than the Warriors. But Agreed. I do think that the Warriors like I, I don't want to read too much into this with the Warriors because Clay was out. But like, I do think that there are some systemic issues there that I want to talk about. Um, don't say. But let's talk about the Celtics first. Um, okay. This is a team that has looked messy and just problematic. For the last month, really, I would say. Yeah. A team that has been defined in a lot of ways by togetherness and like Marcus Smart's grit and, uh, you know, Aaron Baines is grit. And I think the return of Aaron Baines has actually kind of really helped them quite a bit here. Uh, you know, Terry Rozier 
being like a tough kid from Youngstown. Like it, it seemed like they had this mix of grittiness and uh, skill and experience and youth. Like they had the mix of everything that you're looking for. And then it all just kind of fell apart for a little while. And, you know, we can talk about reasons why that would happen, but <laughs> they last night finally put together a performance that I felt like I expected to see from them all year, you know? Sure. And yeah, I mean, they won by like, 33 33 points and they were up by 34 35 at one point yeah and obviously like part of this is i think the warriors kind of quit right but they didn't they didn't even start and then they decided we're gonna try and by then it was too far too far gone and they they half-assed the rest of the way yeah Yeah, i think the celtics were up like 11 at one point 11 to nothing Uh, 11 to nothing they they started Uh, the game 11 to nothing which is now becoming a trend for the warriors by the way i guess with the celtics though i'm still trying to put a gauge on what all of this means and if we think that they are a team that can continue to put things together, if they can like congeal around this win and then go forward, I think that is like a real road. And I yeah. liked what Matt Moore wrote yesterday. Like, I think he said that the Celtics are plus 500 in a couple of low. places right now. I, I will probably take plus 100 or plus 500 on the Celtics to get out of the East. I, uh, I, think, I think I've pieced this together, honestly. Not not okay. necessarily how the Celtics can do it, because I, I don't know if it's necessarily some. It's it, I don't think it's an X's and O's thing. I think this is just a deeply emotional team. And when you have an emotional team, when the highs are... When you're going high, it's going to stay high. Everybody gets on the same same page. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. Uh, times are good, and and everybody's riding the same wave. And when things aren't going great, something gets disjointed. There's adversity, as much as I hate to use that word. Um, everyone goes their separate ways, and there's clear pull. And when Kyrie Irving, right or wrong, is your leader, you are going to have to deal with some bipolar things as a team. Right, some it, weird it, ass shit. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, by it's, the way, Kyrie yeah. Irving in a free agency year. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and 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 he's. I mean, his cognitive dissonance right now is off the charts. Um, as you've pointed out, as I've pointed out, like you can't bitch and whine and complain about the media and all the things that that help make you fourteen, fifteen million dollars a year in endorsement money when you're, you know, and say that you don't like the business side of of playing basketball when you're wearing an Uncle Drew Nike hat. But so, that, so yeah, that, let, let's talk about that real quick before we jump into okay. like the actual because that is that is honestly like bigger than how they're playing. It almost seems, and, and they should be the most interesting story in basketball. So one aspect of this with Kyrie is I understand why he's pissed to an extent. I understand like if someone started to parse what my private conversations were with my friends and started not a parse. It wasn't even a parse. It was a, it was just a mere speculation, just a wild speculation and started to like follow me to restaurants when I'm going out to dinner or like lunch with my friends. Right. Tried to read my lips uh, for what I would say at these times. I'd be pretty pissed. Now, I think that part of it is that he's taking it out on the wrong people. Um, of course. There are irresponsible, you know, uh, citizen people who are credentialed. journalists, we'll say. Right. Yeah, let's uh, go with that. There are irresponsible people that are credentialed, but most Shit, of the people I'm irresponsible at times. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. most of the people he's taking this out on, he sees every day, ask pretty reasonable questions. And 
don't try and take this well, out of context. Yes. If anything, like 100%. You know, the Boston written media tends to side with the Celtics on stuff. The radio media is a fucking disaster. And the radio media is not there. The radio media doesn't have to look this guy in the eye. They don't have to right. deal with deal with the interpersonal or intrapersonal conflict that comes with it and the interpersonal conflict that comes with it. Um, ultimately, there is a level of accountability when you are there every day. And when you're, you know, some citizen journalist or whatever, or, you know, Twitter tryhard, or you're a radio guy and you're just in the studio and you don't have to look Kyrie Irving in the eyes and, and state what you have to state or write what you want to write and then have to show up the next day and deal with it accordingly, you're a lot more unencumbered to say whatever it is you, you want to say. So, yeah, I, I, I understand. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I understand why Kyrie's angry, but... And I totally agree that he's taking it out on the wrong people, but let's let's be clear as to why they're the wrong people. It's because the people that he's taking it out on are the ones who have always been accountable and who wouldn't pull that kind of bullshit because of that accountability. And uh, and to group right. in the media together as this big overarching thing Monolith. Is, yeah, it's this it, it's deliberately disingenuous and it's a, it, it's a page right out of the political book, something that's been happening long before Trump really made it a sort of a mainstream obvious play. Right. And like the other part of this is Kyrie saying like, so for instance, he said again last night, even after the day before where he talked about like, you know, I get into this just for basketball and, uh, you know, I don't really even enjoy the off the court stuff. Um, He said again, uh, the business part of starring in the NBA makes this terrible for me. The basketball part is just uh, I have to keep that fun. That's where I'm great. That's where I love to play, be around my teammates. Like, look, dude, you might not love the media stuff but when you're going to star in a movie based around a character that you created in a pepsi commercial uh you have probably the second or third most popular probably the third most popular signature sneaker of any active well, nba I player i think it's higher than that I it mean, could it could it, be number two i thought, I, thought he ha- I thought he had the highest i thought he had the highest selling not maybe be, on gross like, but i because like, the they kids love them and they're cheap they're deliberately yeah, cheap Ky- Kyrie shoes are great i am a big fan of Kyrie shoes but he makes a shit ton of money from that he literally and like you could he says like hey like this is stuff that i enjoy doing when i'm when i was younger but as i get older i don't really like it like maybe he regrets doing uncle drew you could say I mean, yeah. like literally in at the end of January, like a month and a half ago, he just signed on to make a movie about the haunted hotel in Oklahoma City. So like at the end of the day, I understand where he's coming from and sure. I understand that he may not like parts of this, but it's a part of what he has to do. Like, it I don't even think it's a part is. of what he has to do. I mean, yes, yes, he, he sort of has to engage with the media. Um, if he doesn't like that, that's fine. There are a lot of guys in the NBA who don't like it. You're be a fucking pro though right and um understand that this is part of the trappings and you don't get paid i'm not saying in any way that the media is the reason that kyrie irving is going to get paid 30 million dollars a year this offseason like that's not it but they're part we're part of it and right like we like it's it's hard to parse in terms of like what the role the media is but i do think that it plays a part in the NBA becoming this overarching soap opera that makes it more money that the players also hate, uh, but But also allows them to make more money. Some of them do, but some of them genuinely don't like, don't like this. 
You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that there is something to guys being yeah. frustrated by asking, you know, where you're going to go, where are we going to go, where are we going to go next off season when they're trying to live in the moment, be a good teammate, and be professional about things. I call like, bullshit on that because there are a lot of to be free agents who are maybe not at the same star level or whatever, but like. Kyrie Irving has brought this on himself. No one told him that he had to go out and say to Boston, I'm definitely coming back. Can't imagine being anywhere True. else. Whatever. No one said that. And no one told him, uh, no one fed him that line that said, ask me on July 1. No, no one did that about face for him. He has created this whole thing on his own. Now, listen, there is going to be a low hum. And in some cases, there are going to be spikes on that humming but man he, he's he's playing himself right now and he's playing himself in a pretty aggressive way no yeah. one told him to do the flat earth stuff like this guy is out there and he's trying to have it both ways you cannot you cannot take all of the positives of fame and then declare that you want none of the negatives and these negatives are unavoidable and he is exacerbating them seemingly at will no, 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 almost no, no. to prove the, a the point. negatives are avoidable like that's the thing. Like you said, they're well, no, no, no. There are some neg- there are some negatives. That's like the low hum of the media. Like, listen, if you view that as a negative, you are not going to be able to get out of having to do a press conference every now and again and, and talk to the media every now and again. Um, if that's a negative, that's fine. But you know, be, again, be a pro and understand that's part of the job. Let me put it to you this way: let's flip let's flip the scenario well, real quick. I don't like asking Kevin Durant and Kyrie, or I don't like having to make those guys uncomfortable. We're all human beings, and we would like to be in a scenario where everybody's getting along and having a good time. I would like to just write about the X's and O's of basketball, but that's not my job requires me to do more than that. And and everyone's job requires them to do more than that. We can't just write whatever it is we want all the time to our heart's content. There are some times that we have to actually ask tough questions and we have to bring up difficult issues. And then we have to go and be accountable for them the next day. We have to hold people to account and then we have to hold ourselves to account. I don't like doing that, but that's part of being a pro in this industry. And while not necessarily everybody is you know, holding to the same ethical standards and the same decency standards as myself or you or the Boston, you know, the group that I hold in esteem, while those aren't ubiquitous, at the same time, it's, it's the same thing flipped over in a locker room. Um, Clay Thompson doesn't deal with this crap because Clay Thompson hasn't shot himself in the foot repeatedly right, when that, it comes to this crap. That's what I wanted to say next. Like Clay Thompson is not as big of a star as Kyrie Irving. Clay Thompson right. has actually, I think, kind of chosen to eschew a lot of the media stuff that he could do, right? Like it's just not what right. he's interested in. But the good example of this for someone like Kyrie, who is clearly interested in going out and acting in movies, being in the entertainment industry and, and good for doing him. stuff like this. And he should do that. No question. But look at the way Damian Lillard handles it, right? Like Absolutely. Damian Lillard has found a way to be in the entertainment industry, continue to focus on his rap career, continue to grow as a player. Nobody's saying Kyrie hasn't grown as a player. He certainly has. Um, he, but do it in a way that is savvy and just... <laughs> it doesn't have to be this abrasive. Yeah, like it, it doesn't have to be this tough. Like literally just take a page out of Dame's book in the way that he's handled himself all these years and the way that he has continued to build his own brand. Like And let's let's also let's also take it a step further. When you're not accessible, you allow other people to write your narrative. And yeah, we talked this about is, this with Kevin Durant. Yeah. Right. Like and I understand that that sucks. That, that, I, that legitimately sucks. If it was in reverse, I would understand that that sucks. But I would also understand it 
and try to get ahead of it. But um, here's the thing, like that that's the thing. You don't have to be inaccessible. You can be not. a person that is like Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is exceedingly accessible. And like, you don't even need to you don't even need to be available all the time. You just need to be forthright and honest and not try to be cryptic and and, and right and, and and veil your your true intentions and and passive aggressive you just don't do that shit just be a person right like no one wants no one in their right mind and again this is the problem we don't have people who are necessarily in their right mind who then get bunched in with the rest of us and maybe i'm one of those people to others i don't know but like no one in their right mind is out there being like, ah, fuck this guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin his career. I'm gonna make him have to say something difficult. Like, no, like there is a, a, a clear choreography to the dance that we all have to do as part of this reality TV show. The only reason that our jobs exist is because this reality TV show gets a lot of eyeballs and has a lot of people talking. But well, this is and, a sp- yeah, and the ahead. reality TV show here. I think actually has kind of affected the Celtics, and we can like bring this around to like the on-court stuff too right like agreed agreed like look every like the celtics themselves jalen brown just said the environment around here is toxic and i think part of that like let's not just say it's on kyrie irving i do think part of that is the makeup of the roster part of it is on the front office for just saying hey we're gonna like trade some of you guys for anthony davis this summer probably yeah they've they've been real subtle about all these trades i mean but they're doing they're handling it better than the lakers sorry that's true but like th- this is a thing that is just out there, and I think it's a lot more difficult to deal with. And, and like again, like I don't want to just blame Kyrie for all of this. Uh, the thing that happened last night is they said that uh, you know they had a plane ride that really helped them kind of come together again as a team. Uh, you know, Kyrie talked to Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge just about getting back to basketball and focusing in and uh, being back in the swing of things. Like that's that's great. Who, who and, fucking pulled him out? Like that's that's my issue. Like, well, I think and, that, and, you know what though? Like I will say, I think there is something to the fact that. You know, maybe the media in the media attention did pull him out of it. Like, I think that that's okay. reasonable. I think that's on him okay. in a way that's that fair. he let it happen. But I yeah. do think that that's very plausible that he okay. was just frustrated by this and maybe let it get it get in his head a little bit. Right. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I just I look at the way they played last night. And I still come away thinking this team is incredibly talented. They have an incredibly bright future. And I just hope that we get to see the potential of this future Mm -hmm. because over the last like month, it has seemed like this was going to fall short and like crater. And I don't want to see that. Like I I want to see this group continue to prosper because a, from a team building perspective, they've done this exceedingly well. They've done it basically without tanking essentially B uh I like a lot of guys on the team. Like I like Jason Tatum. I love how thoughtful Jalen Brown is. I like right. watching Kyrie Irving play. Aaron Bain seems like an awesome dude. Marcus Smart seems like an awesome dude. Like they, they have guys all over the place that just seem like just fun guys that you want to root for. Shimmy Ojale think- comes into a fucking <laughs> huddle, according to Jay King over at my website, The Athletic, and says, wake the fuck up. Uh, like a little used rotation player is like trying right. to wake these guys up. I mean, like they have guys that I enjoy rooting for. And it would, be, it would be terrible to see that potential wasted. I think right. that's where I'm at. Right. So I just liked to see this performance. I like the fact that Jalen Brown seems to be coming around uh, after yes. like kind of a tough start to the year. And I think we'd be uh, remiss 
if we didn't know like Gordon Hayward was fucking incredible last night. Yeah. Uh, but I don't but, know what to make of that yet. Like I, I, I think I'll Gordon tell you what to make of it. I mean, struggled he, throughout the course of the year in, in terms of consistency. He, he looked really good. And this is the flip side of this. The Warriors helped out a lot. Um, yeah. I have not seen a game from the Warriors this year where dudes were beaten off of the dribble on the perimeter so often. Um, it was jarring. It was like watching the Bulls play or something. And um, I don't think that is some major, should we write off the Warriors thing? But it, it, it's certainly of note. And man, I mean, they, they just they just didn't care. Um, they didn't, it, they were, they were lax to start the game. They are systematically disjointed at the starts of games because of the DeMarcus Cousins inclusion. Um, yeah. he is abysmal on defense. Uh, he's unplayable and the Warriors have five weeks to figure out a way to make him playable because we'll, we'll if, talk about that in a second. Cause yeah. I, I do, uh, I have numbers on that. That's, that's bad. But, um, um it, 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 they, they played crap defense from the jump. They turned it on maybe for three or four minutes, and then they went back to play in total crap defense when it was clear they weren't going to win the game. And the fourth quarter of the contest was a complete wash. So it it takes two to tango. Uh, I don't, well, I guess I am. I'm taking something away from the Celtics' performance. I'd like to see it against a team that's actually trying. Um, But yes, you can can see the positives. This is a, a reminder of what this team can be. I wouldn't, again, read in too far to a performance like that because it was a nice come together of a, a team who farted around for 42 minutes or so versus a team that really came out with something to prove. And we're seeing time and time again with this Warriors team, that formula results in Golden State losing by 20 points at home. This is the fifth time that's happened this year. And yet they're still the favorites and we have to do this hand wringing every time they do it. Um, the cousins thing, I th- I ultimately think changes the the paradigm of that. I think that this hand wringing feels uh, more substantial in some way than, than prior iterations. Well, let's uh let's just finish on the Celtics real quick because I think that it's important that they took this stride. Uh, when Gordon Hayward plays well, the Celtics tend to play well. At this, right. like that's just a real fact of where this oh, team yeah. is. Uh, I do wonder if guys like you know al horford's a free agent this summer potentially like i wonder mm-hmm. if that is playing a role marcus morris is a free agent this summer who's looked like he was probably going to be like a you know full mid-level guy and now we don't really know what he's going to get yeah, um geez. you know Kyrie's obviously there jason tatum's in the middle of trade rumors terry rosier has seen his role kind of fall off of a cliff uh yeah the big thing that kind of happened last night though is that they just kind of it looked like they put the bullshit to the side and just play right like which which you have to do when you when you go when you go to Oracle Arena and you're playing the defending champions you don't really have a lot of time to wallow in your own BS you you have to come right or not come at all and they came right and again it's just a reminder of what this team could be but man i mean how many times are they going to click in like that um you know like it was good to, to see, see them click times. in it was good to see them click in in the second half of the rockets game i thought i'll be but really yes. interested to see Great what they point. look like against the kings tonight like the kings are a team that will run you to death like they right. will put you in problematic scenarios and force you to play together because if you don't play together the kings do and they will wreck you if oh, you need they, to yeah they'll run you off the court and then you'll have to explain why you lost by you know 20 points to the Kings to the Boston media. And then we're back in the same problem because they don't know out there that the Kings are, are real good. Right. Or at least like, interesting. And 
I mean, they lost to the Bulls by 10, and, <laughs> like, they lost to the Raptors that happened. by 23. Um, they lost to the Lakers uh, before the I'm All-Star saying. break. Like, That's what I'm saying. They're, they're an emotional team when things are going well. And Kyrie said this coming out of the goddamn game. There's a video, I don't know if it was on NBA or ESPN or TNT, on Twitter, but Kyrie's coming down the visitor's tunnel at Oracle Arena, and he goes, that's the kind of game that gets everybody pulling in the same direction. We all want to do the little things and this and that. And it's like, yeah, you know, everyone can understand riding a good wave. It's good energy, yeah. positive vibes, all this shit. What, what, what little thing, though, is going to set this team off, and per- particularly Kyrie? What little thing is going to change it? That now the bad vibes start flowing in, and everyone gets overwhelmed by the bad vibes because that's been this team's mo. When they're on, they are awesome, and you look at them and you go, "This is the team that's coming out of the Eastern Conference. They're deep, they're talented, they're well coached." And then when it's bad, it's like Brad Stevens needs to be fired. Kyrie Irving is gone. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't have a second star, and it's just I, we, we've gone over the reasons as to why that might be the case, but they're an enigma. And they're an emotional enigma, which is the most difficult one to figure out. It's a bipolar basketball team. And the, the they have not figured out the right dosage of medicine yet. Uh, hopefully, just for the sake of the Eastern Conference playoffs, just for their own sake. Because, again, you don't want to see this talent wasted and this opportunity wasted for a Celtics team that could win the fucking title, if we're being totally honest. If you, they play like they played last night, what what's stopping them? Um yeah, well, like, here's the thing, too. Like, yeah. let's let's actually transition there into the Warriors because the Warriors are the clear title favorites, right? So yeah. I think that the DeMarcus Cousins thing is, like, a real problem. So I charted... Oh, it's a big-time issue. Um, I charted how often the Celtics uh, initiated their primary action involving DeMarcus Cousins uh, in getting him away from the basket. Ten yep. of their first 13 half-court possessions involved DeMarcus Cousins and eight of their first nine scores involved DeMarcus Cousins. And the score at the end of that was 24 to 16 Boston. Um, uh, and it, it started off 11 to nothing Boston with the only thing really holding that back, Stephen Curry just making a couple of just ridiculous threes in your offense. Right. So, so it's, like, not as, it's not as if the Warriors countered and everything got normal again. I mean, it, Steph Curry was basically in desperation mode in the first five minutes of the goddamn game. Right. So I look at this. And I see a team that needs to figure out its defense, needs to figure out its lineups more than anything. Yes. Uh, and they can't do that right now because Clay is out. So, like, when Clay misses games, it totally throws off everything that they do because it throws off their offensive spacing and it reduces the amount of positive defenders on the floor. Well, and Clay is also the guy who would guard Kyrie in situations. Right. No question. Yeah, like you're you're not going to use Iguodala on Kyrie in a regular season game. Iguodala has been fantastic. I mean, there are good things to point out with the Warriors. I, th- this issue comes down to the disjointedness that comes from Demarcus Cousins. So you mentioned the bad defense. I think the offense has been an issue for Cousins as well. Now, certainly last night is the easy case study to make that point because he was he was a negative offensive player. Um, but even when he's scoring twenty and ten and 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 going out and kind of doing DeMarcus Cousins stuff on the offensive end, which has happened more frequently lately. Um, that defense is so bad that he's he's probably still a net negative player. He's giving up everything that he's getting. So he has to have a really good offensive night in order to justify being on the court. The bigger thing than that, let's just get even more granular. The amount of post-ups that Cousins is, take, 
getting in this Warriors offense is jarring. He's good for about seven a game, which is up there with pretty much anybody in the NBA. There are obviously some guys like LaMarcus Aldridge and Carl Anthony Towns and Embiid who get more, but on a permanent basis, I mean, Cousins is getting as many post-ups as any player in the NBA, and he's not bad at it. He's shooting 50% off of them, um, but when he gets the ball, the ball is usually going up off of a post-up, and the Warriors were big in saying, DeMarcus is going to give us an element that we haven't had yet. Well, they have had a post-up game, uh, as much as people don't infer that from from watching the Warriors in that free-flowing style. Hey, the they'll, they'll, game, post, they'll post Kevin pretty regularly, and they, they even use Kevin Clay occasionally. They, use Clay, they, they don't use Clay as much. They used to use Clay a lot, and then Kevin came around. They gave all of those actions to Kevin, more or less. But mm-hmm. it's Kevin and Draymond were, are both post-up guys. And Kevin posts up about six times per game, and he is just absolutely filthy. He has about a 13% assist rate off of post-ups, and he shoots 55% off of post-ups. He, he's just totally elite at the post-up game because he always he's always taller than the guy he's going up against. The other guy is Draymond, and Draymond almost never shoots off of post-ups, as you can probably infer, because Draymond should never shoot in general. But he passes it 80% of the time, and he has a nearly 25% assist rate off of post-ups. So the Warriors have two options off of post-ups that are not only moving the ball more often, but they're more efficient for scoring uh, as a team. But now they're giving most of those looks to Boogie, and they're force-feeding the guy trying to get him to to fit in and then feel good and, and get into a good mood um which is like a fine by, strategy to take by the way like if it's you're a going fine to strategy DeMarcus, to take but not, not on the damn block do this. Well, I, I don't it is and it isn't because we're running low on time now i mean five weeks is not a lot of time yes there are, i think there are 18 games left uh he'll probably play in about 15 16 of those but there, there's they got to figure out a lot of crap and I think that the easiest thing that they can do is is switch up the X's and O's to where they, they're not kind of banging their head against a wall here because the offense stagnates with him on the court. The Warriors' five all-star lineup has a negative net rating this year. You take Cousins off the court, it's plus 12. Um, that's a big fucking issue. And I yeah, don't think I, it's I was going to throw off a couple of numbers there as well. So throw them, throw them, throw them, throw them. DeMarcus is uh, like most common players that he plays with are obviously Draymond Clay, Steph, and Kevin Durant. Uh, he plays something like 85% of his minutes with Dre. He plays right around 80% of his minutes with Clay, uh, like 70 or 70%. Yeah, 70% with Steph. And then it's uh, just a little bit over like 55 with Kevin mm-hmm. Durant. Uh, this year, when DeMarcus Cousins is on the floor, period, the Warriors have a net negative net rating. They have yeah. a negative 0.8 net rating. Um, they he's are been good with the second unit. So imagine how bad it is when, when he's with the starters. Yeah, their their on off rating with Demarcus Cousins is six points. They're six points better when he is off the court offensively yes. than they are when he's on the court. And defensively, it's not as bad as what you would think. They're only uh, like a plus. They're only two points worse when Demarcus well, is on the they, floor defensively. But it's because yeah. they don't really give a shit on defense. They don't give a shit when he's not on the court. And when he is on the court, they have to really, really try. And they're kind of using up almost all of their fucks that they can give when Cousins is on the court defensively, and it still doesn't matter. Um, there's a, so, there's like, a, here's there's here's a my thing: defensive on this, issue. Big, I think the offensive issue is is obviously not as big because you're not going to target that. But they're losing flow. They're losing flow with Cousins on the court, 
And we've seen them move him outside a little bit every now and again, but he's shooting 25% outside of the restricted area. So yeah. he, he's just he's just torpedoing chances here and, and finding out the, the limits of the Warriors All-Stars. So here is uh, another kind of thing of this. So you said there are five weeks. That's how long is left in the regular season. Right. Um, I don't really think that's as long as they have to figure this out, though. Like That's fair. That's extremely fair. Like, they have... Like they're they're not going to lose to the Spurs in the first round. They're not going to lose to the Clippers in the first round. Um, but but they those are games not going get, to those lose. Those games could get a lot more fucking interesting than they need to be. They could, but I don't know that that matters. Um, Fair. They're, like Fair. they're not going to. They're probably not going to lose the number one seed because Denver is struggling a little bit right now. Portland we'll is five games Mike back. Yeah, there's but, another team. There's another team. Portland is playing well. Houston is playing well, but. Those teams are five games back, and that's yeah, a lot. It makes it difficult at this stage yeah. of the season. So they're probably not going to lose the number one seed. They're probably going to end up with a scenario where they end up with, uh, you know, the Clippers or the Spurs in the first round. Maybe Sacramento or the, or the yeah, Lakers. Maybe yeah. Like, no, I don't think it's going to be the Lakers, my friend. <laughs> no, neither do I. We'll talk about that in a second. But like, they like they have what, like maybe seven to nine weeks, probably seven weeks. To figure this out, I think. Do you want to be figuring this shit out in the playoffs, though? No. So let's I don't say think you want so to they have five weeks left in the regular season. Let's say they have four weeks to figure this out. I, I think that's I think that's where my head's at. Where you kind of have to take it. You get one month here to figure out how Andrew Bogut's going to get involved in this whole thing. Shout out um, Andrew Bogut, MVP of the NBL. Yeah, uh, it's the third MVP for the Golden State Warriors. Um, <laughs> uh, it's. It, I mean, how rich can these guys get? Um, I seriously yeah, I, hope I was, Andrew Bogut walks in to the Warriors locker room with his MVP trophy and goes third MVP standing by. He has the same amount as Kevin Durant. Um, oh, no. And, um, oh. No, like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say that you don't want to go into the first round of the playoffs with questions if you can avoid it. And especially when it comes down to X's and O's, um, because it, once you get into a seven game series and you have a glaring weakness like that, you do not want to have to adjust on the fly. And there is likelihood. I mean, it does, listen, it, San Antonio, the Clippers, the Kings. Sure, they might. They, they certainly do not inspire fear in the Golden State Warriors now. But you go down one nothing because you put DeMarcus Cousins into pick and roll 45 times in a row and scored. You know, two points every single time it happened, if not more. Um, well, now things have changed, and now you are adjusting your rotations on the fly because you thought you can get away with it, and you thought you could pull a fast one, and that this other team wouldn't be able to take advantage. That is that is playing with fire, and the Warriors have done that before, but this is the first time that it doesn't feel like they're on solid footing. Like last two years, they've had injuries, right? So Durant and Steph have been out last year. Steph missed the entire first round uh, and some of the second round. Um, but you always felt like, well, they have so much firepower. They're, they're, they're still deep. Um, they can handle that. They're, they're, as, they're, they're still significantly better than their weakling opponents uh, in the first and the second round without those guys because they have both Steph and KD. But when it's an X's and O's thing and you don't have backups, like you mentioned earlier, like this is you know why you need clay. Like, Clay's backup's Alfonso McKinney. Alfonso McKinney might not have a job in a couple of days because he has been so poor for the Warriors as of late. He started off the season great, but man, it, it's it, it's been rough goings uh, over the last couple of months. And, and the Warriors might opt to move Damian Lee, a G League player, on a two way deal 
into that 15th roster spot. There's a lot. But you're starting a guy who is probably number one on the cutting board um, for for a guy like Damian Lee. That That is not good. And there's no alternative coming because now they, they can't add anybody other than players that are already on their roster effectively. That's a big issue when you're that top heavy. So I don't think you want to be figuring crap out. I don't think you want to have to be tinkering uh, in a major way. And the, the Marcus Cousins is forcing the Warriors to think in big, big ways when it comes to X's and O's. He, he's made a big effect already. And I think that having to counteract that effect will have to be something equally drastic. I, that's dang- it's dangerous. They'll probably get away with it, but I'd like to think that they'd be more cautious than that, and that that doesn't leave them very much time to get their shit together. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's probably going to work out, and they're going to win the title. I, well, okay, but, but like, let's 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 run it, <laughs> let's run it to this. I mean, the longer you play with this fire, right? Um, the better the competition gets. So let's just say they go, ah, fuck it. You know, we don't need to figure this out. We'll we'll still we'll still dick around in the first round against San Antonio or the Clippers or the Kings. And um, it'll be fine. And it probably will be. And then they get to play who? Oklahoma City. You going to get away with it there? You want to be figuring shit out against Oklahoma City or the Rockets? No, you don't want to be figuring it out against those teams. That's true. But the longer they wait, I mean, that, that, that's it. And you don't want to and you don't want to have to you don't want to go into a seven game series and be like, I hope we figure it out in the next two, two three weeks. Um, I, I, you would like to at least think that this team will have a baseline set that they can grow from by the time the playoffs start. And right now, they do not. They do not have a baseline. Things are very much in flux for the Golden State Warriors. They are preternaturally talented at the top end. When it works, holy shit, no one's coming close. But it is not working, and there's no guarantee that it starts working anytime soon. I do just want to also point out, Andrew Bogut, Essendon supporter, so we're back in on Andrew Bogut. Okay, well, I, <laughs> I don't uh, there, there's some things that I cannot overlook. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, another thing that I can't overlook is how bad the Los Angeles Lakers have been recently. Uh, they are now, according to Bet Online, plus nine hundred to make the playoffs. Uh, are you willing to take a flyer on that? Give me a second here. I got to read the Bet Online ad because oh, sorry, it's wow, I didn't know. What a, what a segue! You fooled me into thinking it was content. Across the NBA with some very exciting matchups. There's only one place to get in on all this action, betonline.ag. Sports casino, virtual casino, you name it, betonline.ag is the CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. Use that promo code CLNS50 for that 50% sign-up bonus. That's CLNS50. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, We're going to talk about the Lakers uh, plus 900 to make the playoffs, minus 2,500 to miss the playoffs. Um, But if you go online or use that mobile phone, to sign up today at betonline.ag and try their in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action uh, with every play. You should use that promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, look, man, this is bad for the Lakers. <laughs> this is bad. Like I have a new, I have a new uh, a prop bet that maybe, maybe we can get in on. Uh, do the Pelicans finish with a better record than the Lakers? No, I don't think that's true. Oh, man, wouldn't that be great, though? By the way, the funniest thing that's happening right now with the Pelicans is that they are better with Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a a So, like, the Lakers are in a very weird spot. They're 30 and 34. They're 10th in the West. Uh, You look at their last 
let's let's say seven nine games they're three and seven in their last 10 i mean and they've yeah, lost so, to some shit teams so so over their last nine lost to the sixers by 23 not, lost to the hawks good. don't know that we need to really say anything else lost to the pelicans the by 13 Yikes. lost to the grizzlies by five real bad lost to the bucks by 11 they were actually competitive in that game I'll yeah that was that. an interesting contest then on saturday Lost to the Suns by nine, and then lost to the Clippers, uh, what, Monday night, I guess. The Clippers um, one felt more demoralized. Like, the Suns one clearly was the, the nail in the coffin, at least to, to reasonable minds. Um, but the Clippers one, like, felt meaner. Like, it really, it, it was really insult to injury that, like, Patrick Beverly owned them. I don't, I don't know why yeah. that is. Uh, there was a lot of little brother angst coming out on a weak moment for the big brother. Well, and, like, you know, over the course of, Early this week, you had like Jeannie Buss saying like, uh, you know, the late, lean into uh, it more, Jeannie. Why don't you tell on yourself yeah. just a little bit more? Magic Johnson, he got in front of all this fake news on the Lakers and he has them back on the right track. Well, they've lost seven to nine. Your team looks like shit. And like, what, what do you want us to say here? Brandon like, Ingram not, looks good, though. Brandon Ingram looks great. And I want to talk about Brandon Ingram in a second here. But I think we have to talk about they look like a disaster right now what the fuck did we expect but like seriously that that's another thing that i come back to with this you and i in the preseason were just saying like this is not a team that is going to contend for a title they signed lance stevenson michael beasley javel mcgee and who who else rajon rondo like they signed a <laughs> roster to compete with lebron james that made no sense in terms of competing with lebron james right they, like if i was gd bus i would have serious worries about magic johnson right now like 100% like he might fall ass backwards into getting a a good deal for someone like Anthony Davis or Bradley Beal or like a good like an incredible player and then it's gonna be in large part well it's gonna be in large part because like of the work that the previous scouting uh oh yeah yeah this entire the only assets this team has came from the previous regime and then LeBron signed like LeBron is is it for the, the new regime yeah, like, and that's working out great because I mean he's he's you want to talk about half acid it? Holy crap! It's just insane. So this is this is Genie Bus's full comments. The biggest challenge is the fake news about how we were supposedly trading our entire roster for a certain player, which is completely not true. Bus, who was appearing on a panel with Wick Grossbeck to discuss the Lakers Celtics rivalry, said while also avoiding the name of said superstar Anthony Davis. Those stories leak out and it hurts our young players. It wasn't fair. Magic Johnson got in front of that, and I think we're back on the right track. Hopefully that will allow us to make a playoff push coming up here. Well, not These people gonna happen, it seems like. Also These people are in a fantasy world. Like, yeah, I don't believe that an entire industry worth of reporters who has sources in all levels of basketball got this wrong. Like, what are we no. doing here, Jeannie? You're she she should be smarter than this. <laughs> <laughs> she's gaslighting. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. Like it's just, she's just gaslighting. Like say, like trying to get the Lakers fans back on her side. Like magic's got this turned around. You've lost seven to nine. You lost to the fucking Hawks. Like, what are you, what are we doing here? It's, um, come on. Everything is PR. And this is, this is well, kind of last ditch PR. Is, like, 
owners and front offices, some front offices have recognized that fans are smarter than they ever have been because they have Correct. access to you know, salary information, the internet, how to, how these, how this stuff works basically. Mm-hmm. Other front offices have not realized that um, and treat fans like they are stupid. This is treating fans like they are stupid. Um, there's no real, <laughs> I'm holding back. I'm holding back so hard right now. There's no real other way to say this. And I think, no, 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 that, that, the, that is a hundred percent correct. But in yeah, some cases the, they might not the be wrong. It's a disservice. Like it's silly. It does the smart version of the fan base a disservice. Now, when we're dealing with, um, teams like the Lakers who are institutions, uh, teams like the Celtics teams that are just massive, massive fan bases, um, you are going to have to you're going to have some issues in terms of overall intelligence. This is not a, a spite. There are extremely smart fans of the Lakers. There are extremely smart fans of the Celtics. Um, any team, Bulls, anything, Warriors. You have smart fans across the board. But when you also have a ton of casual fans who are getting into it bandwagon style, you do have some just downright stupidity. They don't understand how this game actually works. And so they're going to take people at face value. And like to Maybe some of this has to do with the fact that we are extremely online, you and I, and, and most of the smart fans, and or at least the people we deem smart fans, because they are also online with us, and but, the but basketball what, intelligentsia. Like, and we have conversations that the general public just don't have. They, they're not familiar with half of this shit. Even, that's maybe not that's even 100% a- true, but... Like, I'll get into, like, Ubers around Los Angeles, right? Right. And, like, someone will ask me what I do. And, like, I'll say, like, I write about basketball. Right. And they'll be like, oh, like, the Lakers have, like, two max cap spots. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, right. they that's, don't know no, the mechanics behind, like, how it all works and, like, how they opened, like, a max cap spot and how they mm-hmm. could get Anthony Davis. But they know that it's, like, a potential thing that can happen. Like, it's... Right. We, we do then live they... in a very online world, but, like... A large portion of the population, like a majority of the population, at least lives in a semi-online world because the people who create the content from radio hosts to podcast hosts to people who write about the sport, like anyone who wants to consume content about basketball is going to be getting their content from someone who is an extremely online person. So they're at least going to get some of that. Right. But it, um, but it's it's distilled. It is distilled, in a way. no question. Cuz cuz like, you're not getting the 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 stream of consciousness nonsense that that myself and others put out on Twitter on a daily basis. We're giving it away for free out there and true. then we take we parse it down into you know the the digestible parts and then we put it out there and then it goes into the paper or you know you read it online and if Twitter's not part of your day to day or following me or following anybody you know is not part of the day to day, all you get are the big old nuggets. And yeah. the big old nuggets are not what we're talking about here. The big old nuggets are uh, the Warrior, the, the the Lakers are interested in a trade for Anthony Davis. It didn't happen. And then Jeannie Bus coming in after the fact and going, "Well, that wasn't true." And uh, don't believe it. And Magic has everybody on the right track. And if you're somebody who's just getting the big nuggets and you you hear that, you go, "Well, Magic did sign LeBron, and that was a pretty good." Thing to do, I would imagine, uh, considering he's you know the best basketball player on the planet, or or at least you know was before he stopped trying on defense in an aggressive manner. Um, like and, and like LeBron too, that like LeBron saying like 
anyone who wants to uh, say that I'm a bad defender uh, in the NBA should come and try and like get past me one on one. The one on one defense isn't the problem. Like, yeah, also it's when like, you're away from the ball and you also, know, like LeBron knows you shutting too. me down. LeBron is not very impressive. It goes down to the. You remember, the, I, I I forget the fighter, but Jim Gray's doing a, a ring sign interview. This couldn't have been Adrian Broner because I watched Adrian Broner. Oh, world yeah. world class moron. Um, and he goes, I, I kick your ass. I don't think that'd be very impressive. Yeah, like, but no, I mean, like, but like LeBron even said it to like other NBA players. He was like, you know what? Do you think you can get by me? Go ahead. It's not about getting by LeBron. It's about whenever he's off the ball, getting enough space to get a shot off or LeBron LeBron not being in the gap. Yeah, Yeah, like, it's LeBron's playing zone while everyone else is playing man to man, but that's working out great. Um, and then, so here's, here's the other part of this. Uh, so Sam Amick in the article that I just quoted said, uh, according to a source of knowledge of the situation, the real root of, Jeannie Buss's comments was much more nuanced than it might have appeared. From Jeannie on down, there's a growing belief that rival teams like New Orleans have gone to great lengths to do the kind of subversive damage nearly impossible to prove. Johnson himself has said that he doesn't believe the Pelicans negotiated in good faith, and it certainly was unique to see trade packages with remarkable specificity being reported throughout the process. Why, so basically, why? he believes He's... that like the, the, the Lakers believe that the other NBA teams are trying to sabotage them. Well, oh, no yes. shit, guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. of course, other teams are trying to sabotage you. These like, brazen motherfuckers are going out there and declaring their <laughs> intentions for everybody. They've been tampering for fucking years. Yeah, and now like, and now they're out there like, I can't believe that these other teams aren't being nice to us. Give me a fucking break. Yeah, like, like, are you kidding me? What kind of hubris do you have to have to try like, to if pass off about, that bullshit? If you're mad about the leaks, you have avenues to like counter get your message out there yeah just don't just do that and like if you're upset that would, about that, that or like you know if that you would believe be fake the pelicans, news, sam it'd be fake news or if you believe the pelicans are not negotiating in good faith which i'll be honest with you i kind of believe that like no I, no no I, they, I they straight that, up were not yeah like I, I do believe that but if you believe that then just stop talking to them until the off season. Just yeah. stop doing it. But you um, can't do that because you're desperate and you only have one avenue and you've already shown your hand. I mean, they're not good at, they're not, the NBA is, is spy games in a lot of ways. And yeah. uh, the curtains being pulled back on that little by little every single day. Uh, it's all back channel. It's all secret agents. It's all passive aggressive, subversive stuff. And, the Lakers are big and flashy and brazen, and they're driving down the street with you know their one button on their shirt in a, in a Maserati with the the goddamn roof down. And for them to for them to to not want to understand the right level of tact, I, I can't blame them for not understanding the right level of tact in which you need to handle yourself in this current marketplace. But for them to then complain about it is just like totally laughable to me because. What? They 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 are leaking stuff, but they're not doing it in a systematic and clever way. They're just their shit's just leaking. <laughs> like they, it's like old school leaks, where like information they don't want out is coming out. Whereas everybody else is playing Woj and, and Shams and everybody else like a fiddle because that's how the game is played, at least publicly. And, and it's, it's certainly played like much more complicated like behind a, the scenes. Like it's not like you're playing Woj or Shams. Like films. no, they're getting no, 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 and they're, like they're like they're not victims in this. They're getting yeah. they they're 
no, there's no, they're not victims. I, but like ultimately, they're being used as conduits for this stuff to play out in some right. ways. And right, like um, it's smart for them to put it out, just like course, it's yeah. smart for the teams to put it out. You know, but everything comes from a perspective. You know, right? And so we, let, let's just let's just let's just call it like we see it here. Like at least as I see it, uh, Shams was doing the clutch bidding on this one and that works out for him in the long run i'm certain and Woj had the pelicans perspective and the lakers perspective was being uh, disseminated through actual leaks by the los angeles times like that shit was getting out that that was stuff that necessarily didn't want to get out um they're not good at the game and now they're complaining that other people are taking advantage of them i have no sympathy for the lakers in this regard yeah i don't really either um trying to think also they bad they bad they're not very good. It's just they need to do better. They need a better communication. One way for them to do that is by using Mint Mobile. Oh, God damn it. Here's a quick advertisement for Mint Mobile. The big in big wireless provider stands for a lot of things. Big contracts, big bills, and big fees. What big wireless doesn't want you to know is there's a way to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Introducing Mint Mobile the game-changing company that's taken everything wrong with big wireless and made it right. Mint Mobile makes it so easy to cut your bill down to just 15 bucks a month. You can even keep your old number, along with all your existing contacts, with any Mint Mobile plan. There's no more paying for unlimited data that you'll never use. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Plus free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card. Go to mintmobile.com slash podcast. That's mintmobile.com slash podcast. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month and get free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card at mintmobile.com slash podcast. All right. And we're back. That was painful, Sam. I'm very good at the transition game. Well, now you're leaning into it. Now you know you're good at it and it's getting even more awkward. <laughs> Let's... uh. I mean, you don't have a ton more time that you can be on the phone. So like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. Do you just want to, let's just like, let's talk real quick about like maybe Denver. Have I ever been, yeah, Denver, Denver, Denver's playing bad defense now. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we questioned a little bit uh, early in the season in terms of how long their defense would hold up. Uh, Isaiah and, Thomas showed up and what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's, not the Isaiah, it's not just that, but it's an, it's easy, not it's an like, easy thing to point to. They're reintegrating Gary Harris uh, right. from injury still. Like, th- there's a lot there. Like, but I think Nikola Jokic has taken a small step back throughout the course of the season defensively. Um, you know, uh, it's like Isaiah Thomas's integration is not going particularly well on either end. I don't think. Um, like, I, I don't really know what to do with Isaiah at this stage to be honest I, mean, I think we know what to do but, but like i feel bad about I that to do I, yeah i think we should feel bad about it but uh yeah um it's worth like bringing up positives here like malik beasley looks really really awesome. good monte morris looks really awesome. really good yes um this you know, team Nikola is Jokic, they are interesting nikola Jokic is still a very very good offensive player like an elite level offensive player like quarter show up at some point and provide something for something don't expect that i will say that um we'll see if that happens like i don't have inside information but everyone pre-draft was assuming that he would miss the whole year basically you mentioned tory craig i've not mentioned tory craig tory craig i think is also kind of fallen off a little bit throughout the course of the season but 
Um, I'm yep. still a Tory Craig guy, like insofar as he is a good rotation player in the NBA. But like Tory Craig was killing it um, earlier in the year, and, and now he's barely playing and um, not really doing much when he is playing. So there's a. Uh, something to be said about that you lose a, a member a, a valuable member of the rotation or at least you're not getting the same amount you were getting out of him as a valuable member of the rotation and, and someone else has to pick up the slack and, and paul Millsap has been pretty good since he's come back but uh, i don't think that's enough i don't think that's enough with all the arrows pointing down yeah and like when we say arrows pointing down i mean it's not that bad you know what I mean? No, no, like, no. I'm not, it's not saying not a that, like, disaster here. No, no. But they they, they had an opportunity here um, to take the number one seed. I mean, there's five weeks left in the season, so obviously there's you know 18 or something games left. I, I don't know how many for the Nuggets. They're 42 and 21. Um, so you can do the math. But uh, they they had an opportunity to seize the one seed with the Warriors not knowing what the hell they're doing right now and yeah. losing um, five of their last eight games. And all they've done is sort of match them in that regard. And listen, as much as you know, I don't think that the Nuggets are, are, are a real playoff contender just because they're inexperienced and I don't think their defense will hold up in the playoffs. Uh, and I don't see uh, any fix for that in the short or the long term uh, of this season, at least. Uh, man, home, home court advantage for them would be huge because if you can get it to a seventh game, you, you this team is a lot better at home. Yeah, uh, because they not, not only home court advantage, but like, Getting the two seed for them is super important because of that home court advantage. Yeah. They're up, well, I want to say, three true. and a half games on the two seed right now. So they're definitely still the favorite for the two. But they, it's not a much like, yeah, much like the Warriors have to figure some things out lineup wise, Denver needs to figure some things out, out lineup wise. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, you got two teams nipping at the heels. Um, it, it should and be interesting. You know what? We should talk about Portland really quickly. I mean, like Portland has lost two out of three, but they went on yeah. a really nice little run where they beat the Warriors at the Nets, yes. at the 76ers, and then at the Celtics uh, and played the Raptors on the road really, really tight as well and beat the Hornets on the road by 10. So, like, mm-hmm. they're playing really, really well right now. And I like, mean, they did just lose to the Grizzlies, but the, yeah, yeah. Sure, but, like, on the whole, they are playing well. And oh, do totally I trust agree. them in the playoffs? No. But... You didn't trust them to make the playoffs this year, if I remember correctly, whereas I yeah, was uh, I, I, standing pretty hard on the Blaze. Yeah, like I did not have them as a playoff team this year. I thought this is the year that it might kind of fall apart. Um, it has not fallen apart. They no. are Yusuf Nurkic has been a big part of that. Like he's played really, really well this year on both ends of the floor within their defensive scheme, particularly. Uh, yes. You know, it hasn't been like a crazy elite season from CJ McCollum, but over the last like month, he's been really good. Damian Lillard yeah. continues to be absolutely terrific, and like I, I think that the added depth has helped them a little bit. Like, look, Rodney Hood hasn't been incredible or anything, but he's been <laughs> very serviceable. Uh, I didn't think incredible would be a word that would be tied with Rodney Hood anytime soon. So but like yeah. Jake Lehman is pretty useful for them. Uh, yep. Zach Collins still provides value off the bench. Uh, like they're, they're getting Ennis Cantor gives them a backup five man who can be productive. It's just something. It, yes. Yeah. yeah they, like, they got a little, they got a little something going here. Uh, like there's a little Ennis bit of Cantor right now is playing 19 minutes a game and averaging 11 points and seven rebounds while shooting like 56% from the field and 80% from the line. Like, look, we, we can talk about he's getting, but yeah, but, but like we can talk about Ennis Cantor not being a starting level center, but if you play him backup center, he's probably not really marginally giving up as much as what he's getting you. 
Yeah, and you're be- better off than you know playing Zach Collins in those minutes, or you know Caleb Swanigan or something like. They didn't really have that guy, and they got one. They got, they got somebody Leonard, who's, like they played a lot of oh, Myers Jesus, yeah. this season. Yeah, so yeah. I mean that that hasn't really worked out all that great, but um, yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm high on I'm high on the Blazers, and I think that. Um, I think this is the year that they can give somebody a competitive series. I think this might be the year. I mean, depending on how the seedings go, I, I don't like them against Oklahoma City, but um, man, I, I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see who their first round matchup is. But the way that they're playing in a vacuum, I'd like to think that they can get out of the first round this year. Can we? Uh, let, let's move to things we like and dislike yeah. around uh, the NBA. Do you have something? I do. I do. Um, I, I like what the Atlanta Hawks are doing in a big way. Like I'm, I'm yeah, kind of no, all that's way great. Trey Young has been amazing, awesome. I mean, and listen, I, I totally understand, uh, and I'm not going to chastise people for writing off Trey Young um, because it was no, rough. I'm, I'm going to chastise people for writing off. Trae yeah, Young. it was fucking stupid. It, well, okay. It was really rough, though, in the early goings. And um, you, you look at the guy, and he's not playing well, and he's not very big, and, and all this stuff. And you just, it's a, you have a hard time betting on it until you see it, at least at the NBA level. But it is there. And if you miss it now, you have only yourself to blame because he is doing some Steph Curry shit, just straight up. Um, totally in control of his game at the moment. And the Hawks, they. This team is built the right way. Um, I, yeah, I just really like the vibe around this team going forward. Uh, John Collins, I, my guy, I think he's the, the most underrated player in the NBA. Um, he's up there for sure. He's, he's got to be up there. I mean, it depends on your threshold of who's properly rated or not, but he, he's, he's in that conversation because no one's he talking is, about John Collins as one of the yeah. bright young stars in this game. He, least, he is absolutely a star. Like He is yeah. averaging 19.5 points and 9.5 rebounds this year on st- – said 57% shooting. Like he's yeah. a ridiculously good player. He's also added a jumper. He's shooting 38% from three on three shots a game. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, I, I don't know it, 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 if you can still buy this stock low, buy it and buy a lot of it because if yeah. they get, if they get that high draft, if they get a high draft pick at all, you have might to get like two high draft picks by the way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because of because of uh, Dallas's uh, falling off, so you you have a chance to add in some serious talent. Uh, if they get Zion, it's game over. You're not going to be able to buy any stock. Um, yeah. So get in early. But I I just love I love the energy that they're playing with right now. I, I love watching Trey Young flash for moments uh, or for entire games, but a moment in in the big picture uh what it is he can be and it is spellbinding stuff very you know new age mba uh man i I just i'm gonna have a hard time getting off of this hawks bandwagon because i'm finding myself watching them more and more often uh i i and i find myself believing just in the way that they're structured in the way that they go about their business that they have a chance to be really really good pretty early on in in this next decade and uh again if you can get in early get in early well here's here's the thing if they end up with zion their core is trey young zion john collins and kevin herter like i like it i like it a lot that's guys 21 and younger that are i don't think herter's necessarily like a 
potential all-star, but like, I like other I like three like certainly her. are. And I really like Kevin Herter, too. Yeah. Herter reminds me a lot of Clay Thompson, There's a lot <laughs> at least there. on the offensive end. It's like a Clay Thompson starter kit, for sure. Well, I mean, listen, Travis Schlank, the former assistant GM of the Warriors, he knows he knows the goddamn formula. Um, now, who knows what the NBA is going to be like by the time this all comes to fruition. He might ha- he might be using an old blueprint for, for a new game. But, man, the Warriors were four, three, four years ahead of everybody else. And... Uh, or, or at least took it took it into actualized it three or four years before everybody else came around. So maybe maybe not. Maybe this is the right team at the right time. Uh, and I think Lloyd Pierce is just a, an excellent coach. And uh, man, if they can get their jerseys fixed, uh, it would be a really easy buy for the Atlanta Hawks. But right now, them jerseys trash. So the thing that I like, I want to bring up the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, yes, the Milwaukee Bucks. The we're contract, not talking about them enough. Well, we're not talking about them enough, but particularly I want to talk about the contract they got Eric Bledsoe to sign. Um, they got Eric Bledsoe to sign a four-year extension for $70 million, which I think is probably less than what he would have gotten on the open market. Uh, Eric Bledsoe's with the Lakers getting desperate at the end. Yeah, like Bledsoe's been like a sneaky like top 30, top 40 player this season. Uh, right, Probably right in that range. Yeah. He's like basically back to what he was like when he was with the Suns and everyone thought that he was like a potential future all-star and they got him at four years, 70 million. And not only did they get him at four years, 70 million, they got him with a partial guarantee on the last year that is only 3.9 million. Like huge. They essentially got Eric Bledsoe's core, like prime years locked up at a below market rate for only having to guarantee him like three years, basically that is incredible work by that front office. Like I don't know that people are talking about John Horst enough for executive of the year. Mm. John Horst should be executive of the year. Like who else is in that running question really in my mind? Um, Like I I don't know for me to be (laughs) honest, like maybe Tim Connolly could be in there. Masai Masai could be in there. Yeah. Uh, He risked it all. I mean, you gotta, you gotta give the guy some credit. Like, I don't think you put Elton Brand in there, necessarily. What um, about Nick's GM, uh, Rich Kleiman, if this all comes into fruition? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, like, I'll say this. Like, I think Lawrence Frank has done a really good job. Like, I don't think he has. he's executive of the year. Like, No. <laughs> when, you trade away, when you trade away your best score. I just thought of a really funny one. It hit me. Lottie. Oh, Jesus. But he's not done, far He's off. done a really good job. He's done a really good job. Um, but, like, to me, it's, like, not even a debate. I don't think it's like a hundred percent John Horst this year. And that yeah. entire front office has done an incredible job. Uh, I just really like what they've done. And I think they deserve uh, credit for it. Yeah. I, uh, man, yeah. Uh, it's, we're not talking about the bucks enough. Uh, I know that they just, they just lost to the Suns, but they're doing stuff that, that has not been done by a team, not the warriors in, in quite a while. And, yeah. um, they don't feel inevitable in any way in the Eastern Conference, and that speaks, I think, to the depth of the Eastern Conference and the interesting matchups that could develop uh, in those playoffs. But these Bucks, I, I just don't want people to, after the Bucks raise a championship this year, uh, wonder where the hell this came from. It's been in plain view this entire year. They're special, and that might not mean squat come the playoffs because of matchups and because of the X's and O's of all of this and because Giannis, you don't necessarily want the ball in his hands in the final seconds, if we're being frank. But uh, if it does work out, you, you can't say that you were blindsided by it because this team's this team's metrics, all of the advanced numbers say that these guys are hyper elite. Yeah, no, I'm right there, like 
a hundred percent with you. This has been a remarkably impressive run for Milwaukee. Like there's just no other, I, I don't know of another way to really even say it. They are, they enjoy are it, enjoy it, baby. Just enjoy it. Yeah. They're just really, really good at this. Um, I'll be interested to see like, you know, if some of their front office guys start to get stolen a little bit. Oh, for sure. Um, it, it, that's by other, yeah. By other organizations. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, do you want to talk about movies real quick? Do you want to talk uh, about the Oscars? Do you want to get angry about the Oscars with me? I mean, they're bad. They're, they're bad at, at, at doing things. I don't like them. Um, I watched Free Solo uh, two nights ago. And, I still uh, have I'm not s- seen Free Solo. I'm still clammy. Uh, that yeah. Entire, like, that entire movie was a trip. I will watch that with Laura at some point. But You should uh, try to see it in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. I have a pretty crippling fear of heights. Uh, so... Yeah. I'm glad I didn't see it in theaters, but if you can see it on the big screen, I can only imagine how impressive it, it must be because uh, it was awesome on you know a 60 inch TV in my living room. And yeah, I was I was just like sweating. I was just sweating profusely throughout the film. It was really crazy. So I've seen so like I, I watch movies far too often. Uh, yeah, you, seen, you've really been on a tear. I've seen 40 this year already. Whoa. Um, like so this I, year is in March. We're in March of this year. Yeah. My goal was to see like 300 this year. Like, yeah, maybe not wow. necessarily. So I've seen, I count within that, like seven movies that I've rewatched. Okay. Like, Fair enough. Fair enough. It, new viewings, new ideas, new, new concepts. Yeah. So like I watch a lot of movies. I've seen all of the Oscar nominees, like all of the best picture nominees, at least among the, like the major movies of last year. The only one what I, would have... I haven't seen is can you ever forgive me? Oh, um, I, I do want to see that. That one actually looked good. What What was your, what would have won the Oscar for you? Like very clearly a star is born. I think. Yeah. I, I, um, I have to agree. Cause I saw the favorite the other day and I thought it was good. Um, I actually, I thought it was, and I, I, I love that director, but, um, no, that was not it. And I, I didn't uh, like the way that was directed, actually. Like, there was a rumor going around on, the like, the day of the Oscars that plunged his odds from, like, plus, from 40 to 1 to, like, 6 to 1 that he was oh. going to win. Um, it's Yorgos aggressively Lanthimos, directed. By the way. Yeah, it's aggressively yeah. directed. But like, I thought it was, uh, I'm kind of yeah, I thought it was over-aggressively directed. Yeah. He's authentic in that, in that manner, though right like this is how he did the lobster like this is this is how he goes about his business he has that fish lens camera and all that like listen you you don't have to like i'm kind of into it i I, it's a it's a i dig directors that have their own style and he clearly has a signature style and um you know it was a compelling enough film it's kind of like his movies are the most directed, right? Yes. So like, well, yeah. Like yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody cool. won best editing. Uh, Which is Bohemian laughable. Rhapsody was the most edited movie of last year, probably. It was not the best edited movie of last uh, year. Not was, even close. Yeah, I thought it was actually... So the reason that it won... It was a, tro- it was a like, trope. The entire fucking thing was a trope. Well, the, re- the reason that it won best editing from like being out here in Hollywood and like knowing people around the industry and stuff is that like apparently when... Because um, what? That was 20th, 20th Century Fox, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever they fired Brian Singer and like had to like shoot some like later stuff, uh, uh-huh. it was apparently like the movie was just like in a disaster shape, right? Okay. Like it was not looking great. And the they editor like might have saved the movie um that's that's interesting and might have been worth mentioning at some point not not from you but like i don't know anyone in the goddamn industry might have wanted to bring that up i think that like who was i listening to i think sean fantasy and 
Amanda Dobbins talked about it on their podcast, but like, yeah, that was the thing that I got told about that movie. Um, I'm trying to think like Rami Malek was fine in Bohemian yeah, Rhapsody. It's more like, of an impression than acting, but whatever. Yeah. Like it was, it wasn't was even that good of an Freddie impression. Mercury impression. Um, like Bradley Cooper became a rock star. Rami Malek just like played one. Um, I, I thought, yeah, I thought a star was born was robbed. And like, yeah, I don't think and, a star is born like holds up in the overall canon of great films, but it was, I think I agree with that. Yeah, it was, ing- it was, um, you felt something in it. Uh, you were completely compelled at every moment of that film. Uh, and like, like yeah, Christian Bale could have won for vice. You didn't really like vice. Vice was terrible. Uh, vice was Bale the worst was movie really I saw this year. No question. The acting was really good across the board. Um, you, you, you say that the, the favorite was the most directed. I disagree. Uh, it was clearly Vice, which was, was the most yeah. directed. Was uh, oh I, I like the style of that movie. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, liked, I, I liked the way that they handled the big short. Um, and I actually don't mind Adam. Like, I don't ex- know what I expected from Adam McKay in, in that film. Uh, other than to direct it in the same manner he directed the big short because the big short was a big success and it was his style and all, you know, his new style and all that. But, um, if you ever let Adam McKay, uh, develop another or direct another film in which he is writing the source material, you should be fired from your studio. Oh, it's definitely going to happen again. Like, Oh, it's absolutely going to happen again. But Adam McKay with solid, a solid script, uh, set source material, doesn't let his imagination and you know worst instincts come into play. Now you have something that's quirky and different and interesting and kind of fun while, while it's also, you know, a serious movie. And then what you have with Adam McKay and in, in vice, when he was writing the material himself is just, just unfettered lunacy and I, just I will the, say the this, it like, coming out on the page. Vice did not make like a wild amount of money. Um, like well, it, I'm shocked it as to why will break public even. Public movies too. Yeah, like it will break even for sure. Like I would think, um, but it only made like 67 against a 60 budget. Um, yeah, like Green Book wasn't great. I didn't think either. I haven't seen um, it yet. To be totally yeah, Green Book. So I Green Book. What there were eight nominees, right? Um, yeah. I Green Book seventh out of the eight. Oh, um, shit. Like just ahead of Bohemian Rhapsody, which was a bad movie, like an actively bad movie. Um, Green Book wasn't actively bad. I will say that. Uh, It was definitely a white savior movie. Uh, It was, it's just, it's just a movie that exists. Like it was like, I I call those forgettable. It's a TBS three-star movie. Yes. Like it, it is a movie that will live on TBS for the next like decade in you know, like boomers will put it on and watch it and be like, "Oh, this is a nice message." Yeah, yeah, exactly. What a, what a nice white man. Yeah, They're not all so bad, right? Yeah, no. So and like, by the way, not a great character. Um, no, no. Where did yeah. you have Black Klansman on 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 everything? I actually had it sixth. I was not yeah. like a, I, again. I, I, it was I just watched movie it too. I, I thought, thought it was, I thought it was a mess. See, like I didn't think it was a mess. I just thought it was over directed. Um, again. But yeah. like, it, I think that like that comes back to a stylistic thing for me. Like, it's not that I want minimal direction. I just don't want like overly. You don't like ham fisted. Yeah, like ham fisted, like like direction like that. Um, yeah, that, that's I, I want like like Romo was impeccably directed and impeccably shot. I thought. Um, right. It was just. Oh my god, it's so slow. It's slow. Like I didn't love the movie necessarily. I thought it was a really really well made movie. 
but like yes. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like I connected with the story on like some incredible level. Um, like what what I will say about Roma though is I think it was the most beautiful movie I saw all year in terms of the Very scenery, artsy, yeah. the way he shot it. Um, he let things play out on the screen in a way that I thought was uh, very, very good. Like it was just, but you, that's well what you expect from crafted he's so movie. Good. I mean, he's, yes. he's, he's a master of the art. Um, you, you expect yeah. that, but I would just, I would have liked, I'm not, you know, I'm not asking him to go Michael Bay or anything, but, um, he, I thought he leaned a little bit too much into the artistic value of the film to carry it and skip. Yeah. Just it, it was a little bit ham-fisted in its own way, where it's like you will respect the beauty of this film, and it's like, man, you know, at some point this is entertainment, and this isn't very entertaining at all. Yeah, like I don't think it was even like you will respect the beauty of it. I just thought that like I do agree with the idea of hey, like look, this movie should be somewhat entertaining. Um, you know, I, I like the message behind it of how like men uh, essentially make these women disposable and how women can overcome. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, like it just moved a little bit too slowly. I thought in terms like, of the way it was paced. Would, would you recommend Roma to anyone? I would recommend it to the right people. Um, like the right people who are people who are really into the art of film. Right. right? Yeah. I, would. I just don't, but, I just don't, I, I just don't think that that's, listen, that's like, good enough to win best director like that. It's good for technical awards like that, but for right, like picture, my fiance, like, yeah, like my fiance did not want to watch Roma. Like I explained it to her after and I was like, and she was like, yeah, it just doesn't seem like something that interests me. Yeah. I had to watch it on my own. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and so I'm just like, like, oh man, you know, is there going to be anything here for me to sink my teeth into other than the fact that Coron is incredible. But like, yeah. I think I picked that up in the first 25 minutes. Yeah. Now, now um, I need to be entertained yeah but a star is born shout out a star is born uh trying to think but my best 2019 movie so far this year is still velvet buzzsaw um man man yeah i mean it might be but that just speaks to the the crop we got i saw how to train your dragon 3 and alita battle angel uh last friday oh my god both of which were very watchable oh okay fair enough like alita was much better than what i thought it was gonna be i'm fascinated to see how bad this captain marvel movie is yeah uh Bad vibes. Bad vibes. Some of the reviews concern me, um, but I, like it seems like a totally watchable Marvel movie. We have tickets already to go see it. So do, like, do you know how long the film is? I don't. Yeah, that, that might be the interesting. If you can pull that thing off in less than two hours, that's fine. Fact, I mean, probably, uh, I mean I'm probably, sure it's out there. But I, don't, I, I, hope it, I hope it's less than two it's, hours because otherwise... Two hours. two hours. Okay, that's yeah. good. That's good. It stands a chance because with two hours... You don't need a full plot. <laughs> you, you need some because you can't just blow shit up for 90. You know, you blow shit up for just 80 minutes and call it a day and everyone's going to be stuck with you. But you got to fill like 30, 40 minutes of airtime um, with some plot at, at some point. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's a there's a chance I might go see a movie tomorrow as well. We'll see. What would you go see? What What's on what, what's on the possible agenda? Greta is out. Greta interests me. What is Greta? So Greta is this movie with Chloe Grace Moretz and Isabella Huppert. Uh, okay. I, I guess I've that like this woman oh, yes, yes, yes. finds I've seen, I've seen a this. Yeah. bag and then like returns it returns to this it, older yeah. woman. Yeah. And this, this lady like stalks her and stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, kind of. So yeah, I'm I saw I saw that. the preview for that. It, it looks interesting enough. Sixty six on Rotten Tomatoes, fifty three on Metacritic. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what we can do here. And it has Captain the Marvel from, hitting eighty four, certified fresh. So that's good. Has the girl from uh, It Follows too, which is good. Okay. Okay. What about I, I, fighting with my fighting with my family? Seems to have uh, pretty good reviews, and I like Stephen Merchant. I'm not a big wrestling guy though. Laura wants to go see that, and I'm just like, I don't know. I'll as probably the, see it, but. As the chick from Little Drummer Girl, which is a major plus. I don't know that I've seen that movie. Little Drummer Girl's a, a, a mini series, and it is exceptional. Oh, yeah, you've told me about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Keep, I keep telling you about it, but you know, you don't value my opinion, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, we've been watching Superstore. Superstore? Is that any good? I hear that that's like it sneaky is. good. It is. It's really enjoyable. Okay, okay. I've been watching Documentary Now, um, the one where they did the Stephen Sondheim uh knockoff was just see i i don't know what that show is what is it that show is a almost shot for shot spoof of uh documentaries so like they did one with like vice news and so it's just a a straight spoof of vice news and they did one with like euro dreams of sushi and it's um it's one likes rice and chicken and it's like and it all of the same notes. They did one for um, what was the name of that ridiculous documentary that um, Netflix did about the cult in Oregon or whatever. What was the name of that? Oh, um, the Rajneeshi one. Uh, yeah, 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 they I know, did. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they did it. They did a two part one where Owen Wilson is like that character, and um, it was called Batshit Valley, and it was that just extreme. It was just extremely funny, but uh, you know, some of them are major, major misses. Uh, I, I think. It was. It, I read somewhere that it was a uh, documentary. Now is a show made for like five people. Uh, but <laughs> if if you're part of those five people, you are very happy. Uh, and I think I'm part of those five people who I've just watched a lot of a lot of documentaries, and uh, even the ones that you haven't fully seen, you get it. like they're really true to the spirit and the theme of them, while also just being merciless. And the one that they made, I think the most recent one that they have is is of. Um, it's like a documentary where in the seventies where uh, they were basically rec- recording uh, the cast recording of a Broadway musical. And yes. in this one, and in this one it's called a uh, co-op uh, like a, a apartment co-op and yeah. Richard kind is in it. And you know, John Mulaney is in it. And it's just, uh, uh, Taryn Killam is in it. And it's just like the, they had to write their own original music and it's just fucking incredible how funny it is. Uh, I think that episode was Seth Meyers written with John Mulaney there. And I know, I think Seth Meyers wrote the, uh, the batshit Valley one too, but it, it took is, me some time to get in on John Mulaney, but I'm very in on John Mulaney. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might be too in on John Mulaney. I get made fun of for thinking John Mulaney is just absolutely hilarious. And, and yeah, but I mean, that's like, you have to also understand like Mulaney, you know, more or less from, you know, my hood, uh, pretty much same, you know, childhood and crap you know weird roman catholic chicago thing and uh uh oh, speaking so of chicago how excited are you that uh john paxton and gar foreman are back what we almost made it through the entire podcast <laughs> yes yes <laughs> you son of a bitch please subscribe to the game theory podcast uh rate review do everything that you can to support the podcast go by or uh, go use that bet online code clns50 to get a 50 percent uh bonus on your account for your first deposit uh what else go use mint mobile uh Dieter, do you have anything you want to plug real quick i mean my job um 
I, I go, work for, go read him at the San Jose Mercury News. I work for the San Jose Mercury News, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DKurtenbach. Or not. Do whatever the hell you want. Please go do that. Please go subscribe to The Athletic. Um, a lot of you guys are still subscribed to the like massive coaches poll thing I did, so I really appreciate that. Continue to do that. That makes me look good. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Until next time, though, we'll talk soon. Bye.